Welcome to another special Keeneland in the Money Media Podcast. This is going to be a look at Friday's All-Turf Pick 3. Nick Tamaro here deputizing for Peter Thomas Fornatal, who continues to enjoy a week-long stay across the pond. He followed up his uh, viewing of the Giants-Packers game now with, I think, a English champions. I don't know exactly what they call it. Champions Day. I believe it is on Saturday at Ascot where he will see some runners that uh, we could potentially end up seeing in about three weeks at the Breeders' Cup. One person who will be at Keeneland on Friday and will be at the Breeders' Cup for both days is Keeneland track handicapper Gabby Gaudet, who joins me again. Gabby, I'm sure you are chomping at the bit as much for that first weekend in November as we are. Oh, I am. I've been looking forward to it since last year, to be honest. Um, just really excited. Uh, one of the best parts about about um, you know the lead up to the Breeders' Cup too is we do these morning shows, and it just gives us the opportunity to watch these horses train up to the race and breeze and get a chance to kind of uncover some stories and get to know the horses and the connections a little bit more. And that's always one of my favorite times of the year. Yeah, I think it's a ton of fun and, you know, sifting through the opinions of people who actually watch horses regularly and those that are maybe doing it for the first time is always fun, too. Um, but I, it is a great opportunity to see some just incredible horses on a regular basis. I'm looking forward to going myself. I will not be there early in the week to see any workouts. I'll rely on the opinions of people who are much, much better than that uh, than myself. But I'm looking forward to being there for the couple of big days starting on Friday, the 4th of November. On Friday afternoon, the 14th of October, we have a 10 race card at Keeneland. The all turf pick three is our focus on this show. That's going to be on races five, seven, and nine. Of course, that's a $3 minimum pick three that comprises three turf races on the card at a low takeout of about 15%, the handiwork of the great Jim Goodman. Let's take a look at that starting in race five. Gabby, a one other than at a mile on the turf course. We've got a bulky field going postward here. I did install number three, Lady Pookie, as a very slight seven to two favorite over the nine Harrington Rocket for Chad Brown at four to one. This is a race where I guess those two are going to probably garner the majority of the attention in the wagering, but I thought there were enough horses that could get a little bit of a look as well that kept me from going a little bit lower on either one. I thought this race was pretty straightforward. I do like the two, the first and second choices on the morning line. Um, Lady Pookie, she just didn't have an ideal trip last time out. It, it wasn't a very fluid trip in the Virginia Oaks. Um, I, I anticipate her maybe getting a nice stalking trip, and she is the class of the field. Um, the nine Harrington Rocket at Kentucky Down, she finally got it done last time out. But at Saratoga, I even thought it was a, an okay race and defeat. Jane Mast, a, a nice Sharita Rowe Philly won. Veronica Green, the second place finisher, came back to win a maiden special weight at the Belmont and Aqueduct meet. So it's, you know, her last couple of races have been okay. If you go outside of those two, I was kind of looking at the eight. Isn't she lovely for trainer Mike Maker? Um, bad post last time out at Kentucky Downs. First race off the long layoff came closing to finish second. The winner kind of drew away from the field, but I just thought that she had a little upside here that maybe she can improve a bit. Her second start in the Make Maker Barn, second start off the layoff. And if she can do that, she could, you know, be in consideration here. Yeah, I thought that was fair. Uh, Isn't She Lovely does look like a, a major pace threat, no doubt about it. If you're a Timeform US user, it's co it's a red pace. Uh, it should be a hot pace. That's if everybody lined up goes. And I think that would make Isn't She Lovely's task a little bit tougher. 
but she's definitely very quick to the punch and is a threat to go the distance. Did you give any consideration to the six precursory whose first time turf? I've thought over the years that Cantharos progeny on the turf are very, very interesting. The dam side is not exactly loaded with turf, but uh, these are connections that can garner a lot of support at Keeneland, uh, as, as I think about the last race on Wednesday afternoon, a precursory a filly who's now going to be going two turns for the first time. I'm not concerned about the, the turf because, as you said, Cantharos can definitely produce horses that take a liking to the surface. Um, and maybe she can get away with it at a mile. It's not like we're talking about a mile and a 16th or a mile and an eighth. I just wonder how far she wants to go was my main concern with her. Yeah, I, I didn't didn't think that she necessarily finished up some of her prior mile races uh, all that great. Did end up beating a filly last time out who came back to run very, very well in her next start at the Belmont at the Big A meet. That is race number five, leg number one of the Keeneland All-Turf pick three. Let's go to leg two, which is race number seven. That's going to go at 4.12 Eastern time. We have two-year-old maidens going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. And this, to me, if this is a race that you were able to narrow down, my hat's off to you. Admittedly, though, the one Callie's grit, if you can give her an excuse for that poor effort on uh, on the yielding turf course at Keen, at the Kentucky Downs last time out, she is the horse to beat. Oh, man. I She is the horse to beat. Uh, but this race is impossible. <laughs> And with a $3 pick three, it makes it even more difficult um, because I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of money. So I kind of want to keep these tickets on the cheaper side. The This race, look, it's either Callie's grit or anything. Anything could happen in here. Self-confident makes a little sense. Um, she debuted at Kentucky Downs, closed to finish second. And in that first start, um, the nine Bolt Toro makes sense to me. Again, she ran well at Kentucky Downs. The problem, I guess, that I have with this race is number one, there are a couple of horses. We have a, a combination of first time starters or horses that are going to the turf for the first time. And then part B to that is that there are a lot of horses coming out of Kentucky Downs races. And I hate to have to make a blanket statement. But it is true, and even talking to trainers, some horses love it, some horses hate it. I think you can definitely tell watching replays which horses loved it or hated it. Um, but it makes it really hard to handicap horses coming out of those races and wondering what they're going to do on a more conventional turf course like Keeneland. Um it's, I haven't been able to find a method to the madness. And that's why I think this race is so difficult. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it looks like there are horse, the horses that are experienced, they don't exactly bowl you over in terms of how good they look. It does stand to reason that Callie's grit came out of a really live maiden race in her debut. I mean, look, the, the quality of be your best and free look since then was enough to make her the favorite in her second career start. They had both since come back and won their next starts. Chop Chop came out of there and, and nearly won the Alcibiade. So it's, uh -huh. it seems like this filly has faced some really good horses in two prior starts. I, I know I, I banged the drum for Graham Motion a little bit uh, on our Thursday show and because his barn is off to a very good start at the meet, including a win on Wednesday and a narrow miss with a two-year-old on the dirt in, in the uh, I think the following race. The five Sun B, I thought, improved going two turns. Obviously needs to run a little bit better speed figure-wise, but this seems like a filly with a little bit of upside. Well, and she could. I think first time going two turns definitely helped her. Um, 
uh, you know, you definitely want to be able to see the follow through with these fillies in the afternoon. If she, but if she can take another step forward, she could be in contention. She is one of many. I hate to not have a strong opinion in this race, Nick, but she is one of many that could improve. And if they do, they could win. I think that's the case uh, for quite a few of them, no doubt about it. And uh, it'll be a really interesting way to start to pick four. Of course, the second leg of the all-turf pick five as well. Let's go to race number nine, the Sycamore at a mile and a half on the turf. This is just about as interesting a race, I think, as you're going to find anywhere. Let's just go ahead and, and dig right into it, Gabby. Who are you picking in the Sycamore? I went to Mira Mission as the top selection. Um, I... <sighs> But I did have a really, really tough time landing on this horse. Um, I thought his race in the Sword Dancer was really good. Look, they've tried him shorter distances before in the past. He has limited starts going the mile and a half or, quote unquote, these marathon distances. Um, the, the last time that he was at Keeneland, he ran in the Maker's Mark Mile. Um, and he was beaten just a little over a length in that event back in the spring. So we clearly know that he's a good turf horse and he's gone against grade one company and almost has won a grade one um, at shorter distances on the turf. I have a feeling that he's going to get better the longer the distances are. Um, and that was, he proved himself last time out in the grade one sword dancer. So I think he, I like him. He's a top pick, um, but I'd probably have coverage here in the pick three. Yeah, I actually made Mira Mission a slight morning line favorite. I know in, in Marty McGee's advance for the race, he wrote about Arklow and Channelmaker, and I feel like it's one of those classic situations where though Arklow and Channelmaker have earned the most accolades in the field, I think everybody's going to sit down and look at the form and say, wow, it's really hard to not make this horse the favorite. Coming in off a sword dancer effort where he got 103 buyer speed figure and really ran the best race by a mile, sitting on top of a, of a really hot pace that just totally collapsed late. The uh, winner and the third place finisher both came from deep in the pack. Mirror Mission was the only one who stayed on whatsoever. Interesting to me that Ian Wilkes uh, goes here in lieu of some other spots, uh, ideally, to get this horse to the Breeders' Cup because I think he's deserving of a Breeders' Cup turf start off of that good recent effort. I did think as far as the pick three goes, there's going to be a number of horses that are um, interesting. Um, Red Knight was another runner who was interesting to me. I didn't really know how to handle him because I thought he ran really, really well in the Turf Cup at uh, Kentucky Downs last time out. And that followed up a strong performance in the Colonial Turf Cup one race prior. You know, I ended up kind of getting, I made him six to one on the morning line, same price as number six channel maker, whose form looks like it's probably sliding the wrong direction, but he does have a good local win going back to the Elkhorn in the spring and a number of accolades going back the last few years, including a third place finish in the Breeders' Cup turf. Either of those two horses that look like they're going kind of different directions right now strike your fancy at all?
Yeah, I think the only thing about Red Knight that scares me a little is that Mike Maker is so good with these long-distance turf horses. And this might be the kind of horse, one of these, you know, well-built, well-made, really sturdy distance types that he can just train really hard and they, they seem to have bottomless stamina. We'll see. But Red Knight's a horse who I think did uh, does come in off a very interesting race. Arklo is one that when I've liked Arklo, he is a total no-show. And when I'm against him is when he beats me. Um, I did think he got kind of the wrong ride at Kentucky Downs last time out. But there does have to be a little bit of concern about whether Arklo's best days are behind him. Yeah, I think that's a fair approach. I don't, I don't have really much of a thought against that. Uh, as far as, as contenders go, one other one I wanted to talk about was the Four Highland Chief, a grade one winner, one of a few grade one winners in this field, having won the Man of War back in May. It not only feels like he won that race about three years ago, but it also stands to reason that that did not hold up as one of the stronger turf races we've seen throughout the year. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's an easy argument to uh, to agree with. I, I think I think as far as Highland Chief goes, there are a couple of things. I think he was helped by the turf being a little bit on the uh, on the softer side back in the Man of War. He also sat on top of a pretty slow pace that day, and I think that gave him a big advantage. Obviously, Gufo is a horse who seems to just go in and out of form pretty quickly, and really wasn't in particularly good form earlier in the year. And Yabir blew the break that day and ended up multiple lengths behind the field through the first half mile, three quarters of a mile or so. Since then, Highland Chief has been more involved in the pace and the paces have been a lot faster. So that's where he's been hurt. This feels like, at the very least, for a mile and a half race, it's going to have a solid pace. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they're going to go fast, but you know, this is a race with, I mean, simply by nature of the size of the field and with horses like Mira Mission and, um, and Channel Maker and a credit, you know, I think you can count on it being a pretty, pretty solid pace, which would probably, it almost feels like it negates any opportunity Highland Chief has to win this race.
Yeah, I think one of the interesting underneath horses that you're going to get a pretty decent price on is the 11, another mystery. I don't know if he can win, but I think he, he seems to find his way into the frame every time, right? And and he's coming in off a good effort in the Kentucky Downs Turf Cup. He was wide much of the way that day. That was the a, the big card where you wanted to be towards the inside when they had taken the rail down. You know, no, Irad was just trying to get him there, so no fault of his, but he seems like exactly the type that you could use underneath. That is exactly what we'll do to cap this all-turf pick three that, again, comprises races five, seven, and nine on Friday afternoon. Be sure to stay tuned here for a look at Keeneland Racing on a daily basis for this fall meet. We're about, uh, we'll be six days through when this Friday card is over. Gabby, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll, of course, look forward to hearing your thoughts on the broadcast all the way up to the Breeders' Cup. The pleasure was all mine for sure. Thanks again to Gabby Godet and to all of you, our dedicated listeners, and to our In The Money Plus subscribers. Be sure to take a look at everything we've got going on at the network, inthemoneypodcast.com, for some looks at the Keeneland Alter Pick 3 and a lot of other content there. Nick Tamaro and for Gabby Godet. Until next time, best of luck.